Welcome to another edition of the Scouting Spotlight podcast on the World Football Index. I'm your host, Austin Miller. In a second, I will be joined, as always, by Tom Robinson. We will be breaking down today one of the most promising young Brazilian players. That's Palmeiras' Gabriel Menino. He's had a fantastic 2020, which is certainly not something a lot of players can say. He's capped it off with his first Brazil call-up that came back in October Called into the squad again in November, but some late breaking news that he's actually been taken out of the squad because of a positive coronavirus test. Tom, I said he's had a super successful 2020, and it appears that he's also had a 2020 like so many other people that you just can't predict. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I think we, we were talking about it before, and uh, we were sort of saying, oh, he's already got the uh, scouting spotlight kiss of death, as, as so many of other pro- uh, young prospects have had. So hopefully... This is the only mishap that he's, he's having this year and he'll kick on and, uh, and have a great career ahead of him. Tom, I hate to do this to you so early in the podcast, but a promising fullback for one of the big national teams in South America. We could be talking about him as the starting fullback for his country at the upcoming World Cup. Does that storyline ring any bells for you? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about, Austin. <laughs> no, I mean, I think... Uh, He's a very different player to the the infamous Jose Luis Gomez, um, as I'm sure we'll get into. So I'm not too worried about him going down that similar route. Um, and and also, I don't think I'm going to be quite as bold with my predictions as I, as I have been in the past. Smart, smart. You've learned your lesson. That's a, definitely a positive thing. Well, Tom, let's get into it. Uh, 20-year-old player, Gabriel Menino. Started out as a midfielder for Palmeiras, uh, coming up to the U squad. He was discovered from Guarani, which is a, a club in the interior of Sao Paulo. Not that Guarani, the Corinthians killing Guarani, but the other Guarani, the Ponchi Preta rival Guarani from Campinas. Uh, picked up in the Palmeiras squad. As I said, has had a super successful 2020. Uh, was key to Palmeiras' win in the Sao Paulo State League. Made his pro debut, scored a Libertadores goal that we'll get onto in a minute. Uh, and as we said, a Brazil call up. But what's most interesting, Tom, is that that Brazil call up didn't come in the midfield position, as you maybe would have expected, but rather at right back, where he's also featured for Palmeiras, but has only played about 10 games as a professional as a right back. But Brazil manager Cheech saw enough in those 10 games to call him into the squad as cover at the right back position, which I think we can both agree is probably Brazil's weakest position of the starting 11. And I think that's what makes this conversation so intriguing is you have a player who thus far has really, really shown versatility. 100%. I think when you look at Gabriel Menino, versatility is that thing that, that jumps out and it's it's not just because he's a sort of deep lying centre midfielder who, who also is quite good at defending and therefore can play at right back he, he plays all kinds of midfield roles as well he's, he's been on the wing you know sometimes you see him pop up as more of an attacking midfielder as well so I think when you look at any player with that kind of versatility you, you kind of have to question okay what you know why why is he so versatile and, and I think it is that comfort on the ball um he uses it very well his, his, his passing completions are, are always very good positionally and tactically he's very intelligent and he's got crucially you know a good engine on him to get up and down or or get around the pitch wherever he's uh, deployed so yeah he, he's got a bit of everything um and I think as well as as I'm sure we'll get into, as, as well as his actual skills that make him such an interesting footballer, there's also the fact that 
as you mentioned, Brazil haven't got that many options. So Cheech is obviously trying to be a bit more um, experimental and see if he can he can, he can do something a little bit different. And and obviously it it speaks of the type of fullback that that Cheech is now looking to. Maybe not the traditional fullback that bombs up and down the flank, but maybe one who who in, is more of an inverted fullback and, and can play more centrally in a kind of Guardiola style. So I think there's there's so much that's of interest when discussing him, not just him as a player, but also the context of the, the setup that he's going into at national at national team level. And the thing is, Tom, if you were a young Brazilian footballer, if you could pick one position to come up in and have the best chance to make the national team, as we're talking right now here in 2020 with eyes towards obviously the 2022 World Cup, it's right back because that's the position where Brazil is has the biggest question mark. Um, Danny Alves no longer a right back. And if he is a right back, he's like 35 now. Um, at the 2018 World Cup, Fagner was playing right back for Brazil. Um, and he's a Brazilian legend at Corinthians, but is certainly not world class at the position. So there's a huge opportunity at right back. But the key question, Tom, is, is that where Gabriel Menino is actually best as a player? <laughs> it's a good question. And I don't think there's one that anyone necessarily has the answer to just yet, because he's had such little experience in that position and I mean he's only got a, a year's senior football under his belt anyway so I think making any grand pl- proclamations about him is always going to be difficult regardless of his position but it, it is one of the big question marks about him is he going to develop into uh, an out and out fullback or is he going to be one of these jack of all trades who, who can fill in, in in various places I mean obviously we've seen Fabinho uh, for, for Liverpool um, and and Monaco and the Brazil squads in in the past play at right back, play in central midfield, even drop in at full back. Is he going to be one of uh, or centre back? Even is he going to be one of these players, or or is he is this a a position change that's that he's going to stick with for the, for the rest of the his career? So it is really interesting. I, I think that I mean when it comes to Brazil right backs, maybe. The fact that he's benefited from this this dearth of, of talent at right back um, has maybe inflated his his value and the hype around him. I'm not too sure. I'll, I'll throw that one back to you as well. But also, I mean, do you think he's he can be trusted at right back just yet? And and do, how do you see that tactic for Brazil? Is it is it more of a negative reactionary? Ta- tactic or do you think it's it's one that actually makes the team function better and and bring out the best in their attacking players yeah I, I think it's a really interesting question and I think it's also kind of important to note where he sees himself at this point in his career um, before he was taken out of the Brazil squad uh, he had a press conference earlier this week and, and he said that he talked with new Palmeiras manager Abel Ferreira uh, Portuguese manager um who had been managing in Europe, who played at fullback in his in his playing career, um, and Menino said that with that Abel Ferreira told him, "Hey, I, I can make you the best fullback in Brazil," um, and you know who knows if that can actually be true. But I think Gabriel Menino at least sees himself in this fullback role, and why wouldn't he see himself in this fullback role if that's your path to the national team? in you know, maybe the most important national team in all of world football, I think that's what you go after. Um, it's interesting because 
you're you're right in saying that you know he's not going to be a fullback who's going to bomb up and down the wing. He's not going to play like like Danny Alves would play back in the day. Um, but he's talented attacking, and he can play a really good ball. Um, he's really good crossing um, with his right foot. He's really good crossing with his left foot. He's he's showed some two footedness. He can play on that right side. He you know might incline a bit more defensively, and that could come from from what he's done in the midfield. But he can be a threat attacking as well. And that's kind of the role um, that that other fullback has brought for Brazil. And maybe that's what Cheech is looking at, is that he's saying, okay, maybe this guy isn't going to start for me at right back, but I want to have that kind of defensive-minded right back who can get the job done in the attacking half, but can also come back and can kind of help me close up shop when I need to. Um, That's a really interesting question. And the fact of the matter is, we don't really know because he's played you know 10 professional games at fullback and that's an absurd amount of games to to turn into a brazil call-up but it's it's so early to try and and make that judgment of no he needs to stick in the midfielder or no he should he should play it right back all the time um i think that's that's the really interesting part of this and this conversation tom has just been accelerated so so much because of the decision to call him into the brazil squad I think without that full national team call-up, he's just another. Ver- he's a versatile young player in Brazil who has a future in front of him, who can be really good, who can play at multiple positions, and that's kind of it. And the conversation maybe isn't as urgent as it is now. But if you say, "Hey, this is somebody who the national team is going to count on," then that conversation just becomes so much more important for not only his future but also the future of what they're trying to do um, at the national team level, and that's part of what makes it so interesting. Yeah, the, the spotlight's really shining brightly on him at the moment. Um, and I, th- I think we've seen that when it comes to Argentinian fullbacks as well, as, as you kind of alluded to at the start there, is whenever there is a good one that pops up, suddenly they get a load more attention and that can go one of two ways. Usually the, the, the worst way when it comes to uh, Argentinian fullbacks of late, but it is it does make it really interesting and and I think as well as as the sort of skills that you highlighted there you know that the crossing that say he's he's got a really good cross on him he's also when it comes to corners as well I think a lot of his I think three out of his five assists that he's got for Palmeiras have all come from corners so that's a really useful skill to have he's also not he's it's weird because he's not super quick but he can kind of drop his shoulder and then has enough of a burst of acceleration to get away from his man and never tries to do too much with it, which I, I quite like from a young player, someone who kind of knows not to overcomplicate things. And and as you said, he's, he's, he's a sort of seven out of 10 all over the pitch. And th- there's something to be said for that in a, certainly in a national team setup when, you know, if there's injuries or, or tactical decisions you need to make in a game, it's so useful to have that guy on the bench who can come on and, and do a job for you. And and that's why I think looking further forward as well, at where he might end up, he he's one of those players that you could see almost ending up almost anywhere in, in Europe because, you know, you, you could see the value in a, in a big club kind of taking him as a, as a, project a, a sort of a utility man to have around the squad and and depending on the needs of them come in and, and do a job in various positions preferably at fullback which you know as you said seems to be where he's targeting to, to play but um, certainly you could see the appeal of a big club going for a player like that or you know go at it maybe more of a Europa League level team 
and and sort of be a, a starting player there and really cement his his position as a as an option in in the Brazil squad. So I, I th- it is going to be out of all the players that we do, I think he is one of the ones that we're going to look back on and and see. Oh wow, yeah, that, that's what we kind of saw for him at that point, and and look where he's got onto now. So lot lot of intrigue around him, a lot of question marks, but I think that's partly what makes uh, makes him so exciting. That that rise to prominence in in under a year um, shows just how quickly fortunes can can change. And I think one one thing you bring up there, Tom, that's really interesting, um, and this brings it all back to the conversation of Brazil, um, which I think is is a good way to kind of frame the discussion around Gabriel Menino, is when looking at a, a squad for for a major tournament, you know, be it a, a Copa America or for a World Cup, you have twenty three spots, and each of those spots has to be used wisely and used judiciously. You know, you don't have room for kind of empty spots. Okay, you do. It's the third goalkeeper. You know, that's the empty <laughs> spot. But other than that, you know, you, you take the three goalkeepers out of out of the equation. And you've got 20 spots to play with your with your outfield players. And so if you're looking at this from the perspective of, of Cheech, and you have, you know, we've talked about this before. You have so many options. It's a plethora of options. You know, there are national teams where you're scrambling to kind of fill those pat those last six or seven spots. And you're looking for somebody who can maybe do one thing really well. And, and you can envision a scenario, okay, you know, maybe there's one game where I need 15 minutes of this guy and he's going to be able to give it to me. With Brazil, there's so many options that that's not really the conversation. But if you can bring a player in like Gabriel Menino and you can say, all right, in name, you're the second right back in this squad. You know, maybe it's Danilo who's going to start at right back. Maybe it's somebody else. Maybe Danny Alves trans- goes back to right back looking towards 2022. We don't know what's going to happen there. But if you can pencil in Gabriel Menino as your backup right back, but then also recognize that, hey, this is a guy that, you know, things happen at major tournaments. And if I need to pencil him in, in the defensive midfield as well, I can do that. And you can kind of cover two spots with one player. And then that gives you more flexibility somewhere else. You know, you've got your four center backs, you you put two left backs in, and then you have all this space to bring a midfielder or or an attacking player. And, And we saw this in 2018 with Brazil, Casemiro gets suspended for the, the quarterfinal match. He doesn't play. And Brazil is not the same Brazil because they didn't have the cover that they needed at that position. And so maybe that is somewhere where Gabriel Menino could, could fit in. There's so much still to go in this career that we don't know, but we know the skill sets that he has. We know kind of where he's been playing on the pitch for Palmeiras, both in midfield and at right back. And I think he's done both at a level necessary to, to keep him in that conversation. I think that's what, what makes it really interesting is that you can – bring one guy into your squad and, and going towards a, a World Cup or a Copa America, you can cover yourselves, yourself on, on more bases than just having him fill one position. Um, and I think that's a really interesting way to kind of think about him in the Brazil conversation as well. Oh, definitely. I totally agree. And I think, yeah, as, as I mentioned with Fabinho, you can also look at someone like Douglas Luiz, who is, mm-hmm. he can play a lot of different roles and, and he fulfills, you know, a very specific role for Brazil. Um, you know, get, again, giving them a bit more cover as well. So I think all around the squad, you can see Cheech moving towards more flexibility and, and sort of 
polyfunctional players, really. And and I think it's also important to note that even though Gary Menino's has come out of seemingly nowhere, you know, he was part of that 2019 under 20 Brazil squad. Yes, they didn't qualify for the World Cup, but, you know, they had players like Rodrigo, Marcos Antonio, Emerson um, in the squad. And, and whenever Menino started, um, they they didn't lose or even concede. Admittedly, there were three nil nils in there, but uh, it does show again his his defensive side of his game. And and just quickly moving away from the the national team picture, I, I wanted to pick your brains on sort of the the club uh, side of things as well because Palmeiras they've changed manager. They, they flew through the Libertadores group in in a, in a pretty easy group to be fair, but they've got a nice run to the semis now. Um, you'd think at least. Um, and there's some really good young players in that squad. You know, on the opposite flank, uh, Matias Vinha, the Uruguayan, who I'm I'm a big fan of. You've also got Gabriel Veron, the other <laughs> Gabriel in the squad there, um, and players like Patrick De Paula and 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 Wesley as well as who's I think he's injured now, but you know, lots of good young players. What do you see, um, the, you know, the, the prospects of this Palmeiras side, especially under their new manager? Yeah, that's really interesting as well. Um, the focus, I think, is on the Libertadores for Palmeiras. Um, their time under Vanderlei Luxemburgo left them a bit too far adrift in the league to really do much. Um, I think they could make a run at the Brazilian Cup for sure. Um, a very impressive first leg quarterfinal win um, the night before we recorded this podcast without a bunch of players who are all around the continent and also injured. So it's interesting because we've, we've not really seen much of, of Abel Ferreira, uh, the Portuguese manager who Palmeiras brought in. He wasn't their first choice, uh, but he, he the early signs are obviously good, whether that's just a new manager bounce, I don't know. But if you're a foreign manager coming into Brazil, being able to start quickly is massive because that's going to give you a little bit of the breathing room that you need then to kind of implement what you want to do. As far as how Menino fits into that, I think it, it's really interesting because you, you mentioned some of those young players. Patrick De Paula um, is one in particular that I think is very interesting, um, whether uh, Ferreira will, will try and maybe pair those two together. In a, in a kind of midfield of, of uh, mid, midfield destruction role or whether he sees Menino as a right back. I think uh, he's going to try to make Gabriel Menino into a right back and kind of feed into that, continue to play him at right back. I think it's a position where Palmeiras could do with, with another good, young, talented player. I think they, I, you can never have too many good midfielders, but I think they're in a position where midfield maybe isn't necessarily a position of need. But the, the the fact of the matter is, is much like with you know, we just don't know because we just haven't seen much of, of Palmeiras under the new management. So it's really interesting. And and with all the pressure that comes on them with what they're looking to do in the Libertadores and how much of an obsession that has been for the club, um, I believe this is the third straight year now where they have finished the group stage with the top group stage record, but they've not you know, taken that next step and gotten to to the final and gotten a chance to play for Libertadores. And, and this year uh, kind of feels like, okay, you know, the league is, is it's out of the picture. Uh, we weren't quite good enough to, to challenge for that. We can still make a run in the Brazilian Cup, but then we can also make a run in the Libertadores. Um, so it'll be really interesting to watch them. And, and as you said, there's a lot of really, really interesting young players in that squad. Definitely. And uh, in the Libertadores, we did see... Um, Gary Manino, uh, one of the, the other qualities that maybe we've not seen quite as much was his absolute thunderbolt of a goal up in altitude against Bolivar. I mean, yeah, are we giving him credit for this? We, 
I think so. I think so. I mean, yes, there's probably an asterisk next to the name, uh, next to the goal to to say, okay, don't be expecting him to be pinging these in all the time. But still, that's that was a pretty sweet strike. It was. It was a, a strong right-footed strike from distance. You know, flew through the thin air of La Paz and into the back of the net. Um, as you said, take it maybe with a grain of salt because again, the the key wording there is La Paz. But hey, if you can do that, maybe you can do that somewhere else too. I don't know. It, it's interesting though. I, I Bolivia up at altitude, so maybe sure, that's what teams him in for. Right, exactly. You know, put him in the Premier League, that, that trip to the heights of West Brom. I don't know. Altitude, right? <laughs> Very good. Good knowledge there. Altitude knowledge of the Premier League. <laughs> uh, I got that from somebody else on a South American pod who made that point. So, Tom Nash, thanks for that. I just stole your point and put it in on my own podcast. <laughs> made it sound like I knew what I was talking about. Um, I think another thing that's interesting here, Tom, and, and we'll kind of wrap up the conversation with this, is there's not a whole lot of, of transfer scuttlebutt around Gabriel Menino. There's not a lot out there, um, which for a player who's been called into the full Brazilian national team, um, that's a bit surprising to me. And maybe it's just because of, of the timing. Um, you know, We're not necessarily in a, a window right now, obviously. Um, by January, you know, things can change again, but I, I was interested to see that, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, of concrete kind of speculation or, or rumors or links or numbers being thrown around. And, and that was a bit surprising to me. Well, first of all, scuttlebutt, great word. A lot of time. Thank you. That. <laughs> um, I think that's going to add to your, to your list of, uh, Americanisms potentially that, that we, we love so much on, on world football index, but, um, yeah, I think, I think it's, due to the the fact that he, he was just ticking along, wasn't he? And this this um, second call-up to the national team has caught everyone a bit on the hop. Um, and as such, I, I would imagine that that's why there's not been a whole sort of long list of, of clubs being linked to him just yet. But obviously, as it has with us, it's brought the attention right onto him now. And, and I'm sure there will be clubs sort of, keeping more of a BDI on him than they would have done usually. I mean, like... I, like I said earlier, I think that he's he's in he's in no rush to really go anywhere firm right now. He's he's still learning the trade. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a good eighteen months or so um, until he moves. He, he's in that if he wants to nail down that right back position, then if he can get that at a big club in Brazil, that's clearly not going to do his chances um, any harm at all um, but then after that I'd, I think I'd like to see him go at a sort of decent Europa League level one of those kind of big but well-backed clubs um, you know Seville, Roma, Lille, Shakhtar a team like that and just and then just kind of again get his head down for a few more years and and then maybe once he's established himself properly go on to bigger and better things potentially but yeah that's that's the kind of career path that I'm envisaging for him right now um but yeah like I said he he could go anywhere I think really I think I agree with you there um and I think that is is a path that would would generally you know lead him to success and I also agree that I think there's more for him to do uh, at Palmatis and um like you said, if what he's doing now is getting him in the national com- national team conversation as a 20-year-old, um, it's probably the type of thing where he's not going to try and mess with that. And he's going to do what he can to stay in that conversation. And that is probably be in a place where you know, you know, week in, week out, 
you know, midweek in, midweek out, you're on the team sheet and you're playing at right back and you're doing it for, you know, as big of a club as you can find in, in Brazil and doing it at a high, as high of a level on the continent as you can. And you don't necessarily want to mess with that, particularly for a player who, as we said, it's not as though he's, he's, he's a super experienced 20 year old, you know, he just made his professional debut this year. There's still a long way to go um, for him as far as kind of um, backing up the the hype and and to be fair to him it's not any hype he placed on himself he just got called in the brazil squad um so i I think it's really interesting and and he makes for a really interesting subject that um will be as you said interesting to revisit um down the line well that'll do it for this edition of the scouting spotlight podcast be sure to follow the world football index for more from us all that's left for me to say is thanks for listening and goodbye (laughs) 